to our Kuka Kuka Thursday evening program. It's uh, 7.06, July 2nd. And uh, I would like to uh, welcome all of you listeners for allowing us to be in your home or if you're in your car or wherever, uh, on your computer or what have you. Uh, really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. 
and listening to uh, our show. You know, if you have any questions, uh, you can always call in 884-5657. That's 884-5657. And I think I should be able to handle this <laughs> this phone system now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm sitting here with uh, our guest this evening, uh, Gail Byrne. Aloha. Aloha, Gail. Thank you for coming in. Oh, I'm glad to be uh, here always. Yeah, too bad. Clarence could make it. Yeah, we'll do another show. Oh, okay. uh, we are? Shoot yeah. <laughs> 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 <Shoot> shot, of course. <laughs> no, uh, I've been wanting to do this for such a long time. Um, and the reason for it is it's it's been sort of a controversial topic, I think, or... What's that? Uh, the, the topic that we'll be talking about tonight. But anyway, you know, before we go any further. Yeah, I'm not going to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how about uh, introducing yourself? Give us a little bit of a background, you know, something that's, uh, that people can gossip about, you know. When they, oh, the uh, juicy part. I'll let you, you share know, that. You know, yeah. we, we all stay at home, you know, nobody to really interact with. Right, right, right. But anyway. Yeah, well, thank you, Coach. And, um, and just so folks know out there, um, I know Jeff through uh, my daughter's swim team coaching and other work in the community. So I feel like that gives me access to tease him a little bit. So hopefully I won't cross the line. No, <laughs> enjoy yourself. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, my name's Gail You sound so good at repartee, uh, you know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> I think my daughter would be swifter at that for sure. Um, yeah, my name's Gail Byrne Baber, and I've lived um, in Hawaii for... Almost 25 years. Um, on my dad's side, my family's been here since 1914, so a little bit, but not missionaries. They <laughs> came over as educators. <laughs> 1914? Yeah, yeah. They came over to teach, wow. actually, on really? Oahu. My mm-hmm. father was born 1917. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they yeah. came in 1914. Wow, mm-hmm. that's way back. Yeah, yeah, it is now, right? It's over yeah. 100 years and, ago. And they were so. teachers? On Oahu. Mm-hmm. Oh, what yeah. were their names? Uh, Midkiff. Wow. Yeah, you know. The Midkiffs? I don't think of them that way, but yeah, (laughs) that was my, that was my grandma's um, (coughs) uncles, my great-grandmother's brothers. Wow, I didn't know we were uh, sitting here with some high mucky mucks there. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know it either. (laughs) Well, you know, Midkiffs, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, they're, you know, it's so funny because um, I didn't really know about them too much until I came to Hawaii. The family was really kind when I first came and embraced my daughter. Um, but no, that, there is an interesting side to that. And I was kind of afraid to learn because, you know, I, I didn't know what they did. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be held responsible for their behavior. But I don't, if, I don't know if anything negative. No, I, actually, they did a lot of, tra- you know, I don't know. I've only heard from people. Were they connected to Kamehameha somehow? Sure, yeah. Uh, uh-huh, Kamehameha schools? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Um, one of them ended up being one of the first headmasters and actually yeah. um, started the Hawaiian language program at Kamehameha uh, when it was um, not legal to speak Hawaiian. He actually hired, I think it was Le- Queen Liliuokalani's niece to teach. So he had... Um, he had well, as a headmaster. Though. As a headmaster, yeah. He had vision that, um, you know, you really need to keep the language alive between the generations. You know, so he, he understood that. So I certainly am grateful for that and credit him for that. And then um, the other brother um, ended up being involved in a plantation out on North Shore. And um, I understand he, he fought the Japanese internment. Um, pretty strongly, and um, unfortunately, when they ended up putting some of his workers, you know, in internment camps, I know he visited very regularly, and um, so yeah, it turned out they did a lot of you know pretty pretty nice things. So 
Oh, you know, if I had known that, I would have researched it a little bit because uh, well, I, I went to Kamehameha, and when you mentioned Midgift, yeah. I went, yeah. oh, there's kind of a history of that. There is. They have a whole, <laughs> you know, at the library, they have like a whole um, section, I mean, an archive yeah. dedicated to. I mean, while we're yeah. at Kamehameha, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the name Midgift. Yeah. I can't remember so long ago, but. Yeah, when he yeah. was on a trustee's. Yeah, long he was time a trustee, ago. right? Bef- yeah, before, all, yeah, after he was headmaster and bef- before it kind of got, I think, a little bit. You know, wonky. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I re- the story that I heard from someone at, um, uh, that was at the library at, at, when we were visiting the campus a long time ago, I was taking Sienna there for the first time, and um, we actually went over to visit Fred Cachola on um, Oahu because oh. he was being um, celebrated for the um, uh, Princess uh, Pauahi Awards, Lifetime Achievements. And so while we were there, we just went, swung by the All right. library. Yeah, that was that's a whole fun story to tell. I mean, you should have Fred on sometime. <laughs> he's been on, well, not with, with me, but he's been on with uh, Bob Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bob Martin was having a, you know, a program. And he's the best storyteller, of course. I mean, most folks know excuse that. Excuse me? Fred is the best story. Oh, oh, shoot. <laughs> Present company <laughs> excluded, of course. You come. Oh, he's 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 great. I've uh, yeah, uh, known yeah, Fred for many years. And yeah. I knew his father. And oh. I remember, uh, I think I was at the senior citizen. I, I had to do a presentation on something or ask for for their help. Um, and it, and they were uh, choosing or selecting names for Kohala street names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. I remember people were saying, oh, let's call this street a uh, certain, certain name and whatnot. And not, he got up, yeah, for yeah, senior. Yeah. And he said, you know, this is Hawaii. All the streets should be named with Hawaiian names. Wow. And wow. I sat and I looked at him and huh. we became uh, good friends. Yeah. And I really respected that guy. Yeah. You know, he was uh, a smart guy. You know, that's interesting. I mean, we're going we're gonna to take a real right-hand turn, and Fred should tell his own stories about himself. <laughs> but when we were at that celebration on Oahu for Fred, when he was given the Lifetime Achievement Award from, um, from Kamehameha Schools, um, and I know Thompson was the guy that kind of did the This Is Your Life review, you know, yeah. uh, and um, he told <coughs> a story similar to what you just shared about Fred. Like, during the Renaissance, there was a lot of emotion and meetings going on on Oahu, understandably. And he said that the voice of reason, and he, as a young man, his dad would bring him to some of these meetings. And he said, at the meetings consistently, there was this strong voice of reason that would bring people together. And it was Fred's, Fred's voice. So when you speak of his dad that way, it, it feels very consistent. I agree. There, yeah. there are certain individuals that, in my mind, in my memory, that stand out. And these were guys when they, when they stood up to speak. You know, everybody listen. But I mean, they had that respect. I'll, I'll tell you this. We're, I mean, we're going to take another right turn. But, you know, I've volunteered a ton of time to help. I like how you say we're taking a right turn <laughs> instead of a, a left turn. <laughs> oh, we take one left turn, too. <laughs> we just go in circles. You know what I mean, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right, because you're like the, you're the lone Republican up here in North Kohala, aren't you? I don't know well, what we're you are. we're not talking politics right now. Oh, shit, it's okay, yeah. So what were you saying? But oh, we were going to take I'm a teasing. left and a right turn. And yeah. I don't even know. Oh, um. Yeah, so we're talking about people who have strong presence and right. great orators. So um, I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of great people, including yourself, in preserving you know open coastal open space and cultural sites here in Kohala. And there was one time where a group of us trooped over to 
uh, Honolulu for a, um, a hearing, um, and it's kind of where we've got a lot of traction. And so these hearings can be kind of boring. A bunch of us got up and talked about different aspects. It was really fun, though. I mean, you know, Tony Withington, Mike Isaacs, you know, we had the Native Hawaiian Legal Corp there. Everyone was speaking to different aspects of the value of preserving the Koholic Coast. And, um, and, and um, it was a little bit contentious because there was a representative from um, a landowner there, an attorney, and you know, there was a little bit of conflict. But I have to tell you. Oh, this was dealing with Koala? Yeah, yeah. So who, we had to go uh, to. Uh, well, I'm not going to say who the landowner rep okay. was. No, no, not, he's an attorney. He's someone I'd go have a beer with, nice guy. But, wow. you know, he was representing the landowner and doing his job. And I have to say, though, the, the landowner, Jonathan Cohen, um, ended up um, helping us kind of turn things around in Kohala. He um, was the first person, I, I think, that really listened to the voice of Kohala and, uh, you know, agreed to a community sale cooperatively. I mean, it took a while for us to get there. <laughs> we had to go through contested case hearings and all sorts of stuff. But anyway, we were all in Oahu doing this kind of very bureaucratic hearing, um, you know, sharing facts and stories and, and why we thought it was important that the um, Department of Land and Natural Resource, you know, maybe not grant the permit to build this home, basically almost on a hey, yeah. <laughs> it was it was not a great place to build. Um, but when, so Fred gets up and gives his um, shares his mana'o and what he's going to say about things. And um, it is the only time I've ever seen and probably the only time I will ever see uh, in a public setting like that that's very bureaucratic. Everyone in the room stood up and gave a standing ovation. Wow. <laughs> so here it is, even very boring bureaucratic stuff. He can move people. Smart guy. Yeah, he's, know, very he's, very he's, the best, guy. he's one of the best strategists I've ever met. I mean, no. I never really understood like the term of follow someone into battle until, you know, the first time I sat with him and we were strategizing on on um, different you know, strategies to preserve the coast. And um, his uh, questioning and insights were were highly intelligent. So oh, I, I, yeah. I've always appreciated that about him. Yeah. Another guy that kind of in the statue was uh, Sky and Waimea. Hmm. He worked for Kamehameha too. Uh, I don't know, extension programs or something. It was uh, Eli Nahulu. Hmm. And he was the guy that, yeah, he was one of those guys that uh, uh, when he stood up to talk or when he spoke, uh, it was, you know, uh, not only with aloha, but you just respected this guy's mana'o, you know. He, yeah. uh, I don't know, he was just one of those, he had this presence, uh, you know, in, in the room. Yeah. And. I wouldn't say we always agree with him, but, you know, you just said to really think about what he, he had to say. Mm, and, and, and weigh it, yeah, but, yeah, mm. usually. But, yeah. Nice. That's interesting. Uh, where were we? Well, we started <laughs> off a hun- over 100 years ago. Oh, yeah. So I started, we were talking gifts. about that's me. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, a little bit in introduction. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting that's your family. Yeah, a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cousins. But, um, yeah. So, let's see. I came here about... Almost 25 years ago. Here to Kohala? Um, first landed Kona for for less than a year, and then I ended up here. Actually, in Ikea. <laughs> Probably up the street from you, there was like a rental two-story. But there was no in Ikea at that time. No. Uh, what year was that? I don't know. 90. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, okay. it was in the 90s. So in Ikea was already built. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, bopped around to different places, but... Um, Kohala always drew me back, you know, especially around all the coastal preservation work, um, for sure. And now we have a 
farm up here, and um, and and I guess active in, in agriculture too. Although my husband is the farmer. Yeah. So well, we, we we have to have another show with him because he, you know, it's so funny. You're married to someone for a while, right? And and this is our second marriage, so it's not like we've known each other forever. <laughs> you, 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 you married this guy twice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. No. <laughs> no. Second for both of us. Okay. Right? And um, there was a. a He's, we're members of the local farmers union here, and they asked him to give an online presentation on, um, you know, gardening and, you know, kind of a home garden. And, and he's really good at that. And he's done lots of installations, and he feels very passionately about people growing their own food because of the sense of um, uh, sovereignty it brings you, you know, and security in addition to just, you know, health and all those other things. Uh, so... Anyway, I'm, I'm helping out with the logistics on watching him give this presentation, and I'm just getting blown away with <laughs> what he's saying. You know, I'm like, wow, you're really good. And we finished, and I'm like, God, you're really good at what you do. And he's looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> so Years like later. I, yeah, no, I kind of knew that already, but you know how you get yeah. you're around someone right. enough, you don't always remember. My wife feels like that about me. About you, yeah. well, every time she hears me speak, she falls in love again, she said. Oh, you know what? That's kind of true, right? Yeah. 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 Lonnie's a good person. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. another time will be fun to have him here because oh, sure. he can speak up and down about you know, oh, yeah, organic I, and regenerative yeah. agriculture. Too bad you couldn't make it, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. so you guys got here in the 90s? Or? Oh, well, my husband's actually been here for over 40 years. He, 40? Yeah, he, well, we don't want to say how old he is, but yeah, because he looks young, right? He still enters yeah. the water doing a dive and a flip. But he's not he's, older than me, so, right? I don't know. How old are you? You say it first. Uh, oh, 73. <laughs> oh, he's younger than you. Okay, that's yeah, what yeah. I thought. Yeah, but you're 73? No. Uh-huh. Yeah, you don't look like it. Oh. No, I'm not just being. I'm I don't know. Maybe it's smoke. years of being in the ocean. Or maybe I'm diving. just like getting older with you. So you. <laughs> say, <laughs> I, don't I know. Care. I feel it though. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, great. Um, so he's been here about forty. You've been here. Yeah, he's been farming here in Hawaii for forty plus years. He grew yeah. up farming. Both of us grew up in the military. All over. His dad was Air oh, Force. Oh, oh. But he always went back every summer to his mom's side in Alabama, where he's farming and. He just fell in love with it out here. You know, you can grow year-round. And he started the Hawaii Organic Farmers Association and um, at one point had the largest organic tomato operation in the state. He did? Yeah, yeah. That was in the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah, so he's, he's done a lot in terms of scale and different things. And because uh, they had various tomato farms, uh, mm-hmm. farms. Uh, like I got it in 71, I think, over the years. There's, you know, several people started these, like, Tomato enterprises like mm-hmm. greenhouses. Yeah, know, yeah, the farmlets up in Waimea, especially. Waimea, yeah, and Raymond. out in Volcano, I think they yeah, had. Yeah, that's a, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, they weren't organic. Uh, not not totally, but some of the farm lots yeah. have switched, you know, incorporating some practices now, I think, after seeing that it works. You know, he, he moved in there. As, I think he was one of the first organic farmer to move into the Waimea farm lots, and, um, which is a little bit bold, but <laughs> they embraced him, so that's good. All right. So anyway, great. You got this connection to Hawaii that goes back to 1914. I mean, mm. that's uh, the mid-gifts. Mm. I'm going to go home and Wikipedia. <laughs> no, you know, I should just call Tony Whittington. Oh, she knows. She actually knows that, that side oh, of yeah. like, that family. She knows everyone. <laughs> she, I call her Miss Wikipedia. Oh, you not only that. I mean, talk about another one of my heroes. We were just talking about Fred. But Tony, oh, my God. Um, she's, you know, she's been working on preserving the Kohala coastline forever and in so many different ways. 
what I call her like my li- digital library, <laughs> digital yeah. libraries, because I'm like Fred, I think I'm good at strategy and connection and coordination about things, but man, is she good about details, you know, about um, cases and I, I can call her up and she'll have a document from like 30 years ago. <laughs> She's she sent me very, an email. I, I got to read it, you know, because I, I read it r- pretty quick. But, you know, we had that, well, we still have that organization, uh, Hui Mamala Hong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, every now and then somebody contacts us uh, for uh, information. And it's uh, Robert Glory. He you know, handles all the keys and yeah. whatnot. <laughs> what? And so we meet, we have to meet once a year. Yeah. Yeah, so we meet once a year. And now I'll be pushing my car in Takata. He'll be pushing his. But go, hey, Bobby. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? You know, shake hands. Around. Okay, brother, we met, right? Yeah. <laughs> Annual meeting, pal. <laughs> Annual meeting. How's everything? You okay? Yeah. Okay. But no, he's done a terrific job. I think he's been monitoring the key system for uh, over 30 years. Wow. And that's that's real dedication yeah, that people can yeah. have this. Uh, it's a service, you know. It really is. Yeah. I mean, Kohala, well, I, you know... I don't know all the other communities in Hawaii that well, but but it's been reflected back to those of us who have been doing a lot of coastal work that the amount of um, passion and stewardship and care that Kohala has for the lands here, it is, I think, a little bit unique in the state, you know. Um, anyway. I think it is unique because um, of things that's occurred here in Kohala. Like uh, at the time we made that, Oh, getting back to Tony about, you know, she's... Oh, uh, yeah, email. The uh, Miss Wikipedia. You took a left turn. She's, yeah, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're right, I did take a left turn. <laughs> but you're right. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, she sends me this email, and she goes, oh, she found this document that Hui Mamalahoa was involved in this easement at Kaiholena or something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I went, huh? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. That was like... That was a long time ago. Yeah. Decades, yeah. And I go, we did. We're involved there. Oh. She said, yeah. She sent to me. I got to read that's it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's... Kailena on the coast is... Uh, I don't know. It feels like... It's my special spot. <laughs> and thank goodness... Thank you, Jeff, because there was a big effort, you know, decades ago. There was going to be a hotel there. You know, kind of oh, like... Mahoko. Yeah. Mm-hmm, big resort. Yeah, oh, and that is the area with the highest um, concentration of intact cultural sites and villages in in the state. It's it's really pretty an amazing place. Yeah, so but oh, it's all true. preserved now. I mean, it was going to be built on, and they're building Malka now. You know, as you drive down to Konipule, you can see where they're all punching it out, Malka. Where? But that. So you mean like where are they building? Yeah. Yeah. So not Makai of the highway. That's all. A lot of that's preserved. But so as you go s- south past Lapakahi, yeah, yeah, and so on the on your left, literally this time, Malka, not political Malka, right? Malka. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're they're starting to punch some homes out up there. What? Yeah. Oh, homes, homes. Yeah. What did you think I said? Oh, I thought. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was some sort of development. Oh yeah, small kind. I mean, you know, twenty acres here and there. Some are small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but if we obviously hadn't moved when we did on. Kyalena, they were, um, you know, all they needed was building permits, and there would be easily, maybe at least probably 30 homes down there by now. And I really have to thank the landowner um, and his representative, Charlie Anderson, for working with us for a freak. How long did it take? 
at least eight years. Yeah, they to, to, Yeah, they, they hung in there a long time. So. The, uh, in the late 70s, when we were doing this with Malaha access thing, our attorney was Tim Lee Kwan. Hmm. Uh, we legal aid society, and lucky for us, that was their priority, was easements. Yeah. And one day he comes up to Koala. We got to be really close. And he brings his map. He says, look, Jeff. He was, I think he was the uh, attorney for the county for a little bit, or his friend was. He brings his map. And he says, look at this, Jeff. This is the water line they want to put in mm. along the uh, Malcona coast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, this big pipeline along yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, around uh, Malca. Yeah. And he says, but it's not going to happen right away. You know, they do these things 10 slow years. Slow by slow, yeah. Yeah. And that was the plan, and, you know, just unbelievable. But anyway, good. Was that in the 90s when they were looking at uh, this was taking a bunch of water from Kohala down to the resorts? Yeah. yeah. So this was actually yeah. uh, late 70s or early 80s. Oh, okay. That they had drawn out this map. It's starting to do that. Yeah, no, no just, you know, it, it, I don't know, just doing an assessment, I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah I don't think they were. He said it'll take them, like, 10 years before they would do anything, which is, you know, they, stand, they take about 10 years to... Uh, well, there was a local Europe. nonprofit, Kako'o, Kamakani, right, Ohalo, right, 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 Yeah. Right. So in the um, late 90s, uh, I was here for that. I remember they, um, you know, they were able to stop the big water grab because they looked at the U.S. Geological Survey um, uh, water study and they found some significant errors, which is unusual because the USGS, I mean, it's got really great mm-hmm. scientists in, in there. I've worked with them. But but what they were able to prove is it just was not a sustainable thing to grab all that water and take it down to South Kohala. So thanks again to, you know, local nonprofits and individuals and stepping forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, what? <laughs> uh, the reason why I invited here, or you and Clarence tonight, is uh, I know for a long time i uh, been wanting to talk about the topic. It was somewhat controversial. I don't know where it's at today, maybe not as such. But uh, it was on the issue of hemp. Mm. Uh, could you define what is hemp? Sure. Well, it's a plant, and it's been around. Um, it's been cultivated by man for over 50,000 years. It's, uh, the records on it are pretty phenomenal. It's been used primarily as a food and fiber for cloth. Um, you can use it as a fuel. I mean, most people have hemp seed or hemp protein in their smoothies and uh, acai bowls nowadays. Um, and probably in the last eight years, a lot of listeners might be more familiar with the term CBD or cannabinoids. Um, hemp has been, um, uh, can be processed for that. And that's a, an oil and an extract that the compounds are really great for managing pain and inflammation and, you know, in, in more, in a natural way, like you might take vitamin C or other things. Um, so that's, that's hemp. It's a plant. It's a member of the cannabis family. So I think why you think it's controversial is um, folks probably, it's understandable. There was a, a long uh, prohibition on any form of cannabis, including hemp, even though hemp was some, some of us that are older, <laughs> not, maybe not me, um, you know, hemp for victory during World War II. I mean, oh, it's been yeah. used for in ropes and, and sailing. Ropes, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And when I was a young kid, when my dad was stationed in the Midwest, um, they called it um, it was a form of ditchweed because it was still around from all the farms and it grows, you know, really well. I think the last legal crop was actually in the late 60s or, or early 70s. And then it got caught up on the um, 
it got maligned for the war on drugs. And and if you do some research on it, you know, there's obviously political and monetary reasons behind why hemp was um, uh, kind of outlawed, I guess, for a better word. Um, some of it has to do with the competition with paper <laughs> and, and Randolph Hearst and, you know, him having some forest leases and um, that he could, um, you know, because he was a newspaper mogul, right? And so he wanted to move into actually owning and producing the paper on which he actually printed. And um, hemp would could potentially be in the way in terms of a, a cheaper pulp and certainly a more sustainable pulp for paper. So there were some political reasons why um, uh, hemp was, you know, that happens now and then with good things. <laughs> sure. So so I think that's a controversy. It gets, it gets confused and mixed up with... Um, marijuana but it's not it has no psychoactive components in it in fact that's a legal definition is you have to have uh, such a low amount of these compounds thc in particular that you know um that it's hemp. it can't be it can't be marijuana so and so when we when we're talking about the uh the thc content that uh can be mind altering or or give you a high or something so the, when we well one plant is the marijuana that does that yeah but uh, what about hemp? Well, they're, they're the same family, you know, like many They look plants. alike. They can, although I have to say that, like, the zero THC plants and the ones that we planted that are for fiber and used for cloth, they, they do look very different than the ones that um, you would, um, that pe- I think people would call marijuana. Um, or even they look different than the plants that you plant for um, cannabinoids. So, so there's obvious oh, so, oh. differences. So the f- Even within the hemp family, there's obvious differences in how they look. The oh, ones that okay. are more for fiber and fuel are very skinny, and they get planted tighter together. And um, so, so there's obvious visual differences for sure. And I think you had a question about THC. No, so yeah, yeah. So at the levels that um, you're allowed to grow hemp at um, across the board, I don't think people would ever feel that you know i i can't speak to anyone you know what their individual sensitivities are but obviously it was set at a very low level actually ridiculously low there's a strong effort by farmers and hemp farmers in the country to raise the level a little bit because it's so difficult to farm at those lower levels so what do you mean by lower levels uh lower levels of thc so we you can't have more than 0.3 percent in your crop and um i you know, like I said, I'm I'm not a doctor and I'm yeah, not yeah, a scientist, yeah, yeah, yeah. but and I can't speak to what, what at what percent people start to feel it. But I I think marijuana is typically at 19 to, <laughs> you know, into the 20s um, percent. You know, and I'm sure it runs all sorts of gamut. I I don't know. That's not that's not my interest. It's not my background. Yeah. But um, but suffice it to say, there there are not enough. Uh, there's not enough of that compound in hemp to get people high. And that's not what we use it for. We use it for food. We use it for fiber. We use it for, you know, all sorts of things. It's a really incredible plant. I mean, it's kind of like coconut, you know, when you look at what it can provide for people. Or or my dad's favorite plant is bamboo, right? It's a food. It's a shelter. Oh, all yeah, that right, kind of thing. Right, right. So hemp, hemp is similar like that. It can provide all those things. Um, I, I have a confession. What? <laughs> my friend, you know, I got this chronic back pain because I, mean, I had injured my back twice surfing and crashing on the reef yeah. and uh, you know falling downstairs and all kind and the doctor said uh, he said Jeff when you 
hit your 50s, this is really going to be painful. Mm. And, you know, there's not much we can do about it at that time. Mm. Uh, you know, back surgeries yeah. were, like, iffy, really iffy. But anyway, um, so, I, yeah, so it hurts, you know. I mean, it hurts. And so I was uh, with a friend, uh, and she said, we, we uh, you know, we worked a long time. And she said, oh, won't you try this? And I said, what is that? I said, the, what do you call it? CBD. Oh, the CBD. The oh, CBD. Yeah, CBD. Yeah. This is from C- hemp. Yeah, yeah. C- CBD from hemp. Yeah. It's not going to get you high, uh, no high way. or yeah. anything. I was going to use the word stone. <laughs> <laughs> what? That, that's old terminology. Oh, now you're showing some of your past. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, okay. I said, put it in your tongue, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And you know, like uh, half an hour later, my back felt oh, okay. Yeah. And I went, hey. It works. Yeah. But then... Uh, I went, I figured, okay, I'll go buy my own. And I don't know what brand she had, mm-hmm. but I went and bought it, and then, but it did nothing for me. You know, that's, uh, well, that's an issue, I think, with almost anything, right? Depending on the yeah. quality and who's making it. It could be vitamin C, or it could be Olena, or even Noni, right? I mean, depending on, you know, if you go get different forms of Noni. So well, I'm sorry to hear that. That That is something that the industries, because there's such a big boom with regard to CBD in the last three years, mm. that um, the industry is really now starting to self-regulate a lot, actually, um, because it's not helpful to the to farmers, the industry, or to people if we're not accurately reflecting what's in the bottle or where it's from. Um, well, somebody told me that, that uh, they're not all the same. Mm-mm. And no. all I got to do is go find out, you know, what, what she had, yeah, and because uh, she uses it, she has bad back pain, oh. and uh, but yeah, yeah, it's and, and b- before that I went no, yeah, no, 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 this thing ain't real. No, it's I know you know what, yeah. and you know what's so funny. I am such a doubting Thomas too. I mean, people think I'm very like optimistic, <laughs> but I I tend to be very much a doubting Thomas, and um, yeah, blew me away as well too. I've I've been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and. Um, but, you know, I've, I've actually beat most of it doing a whole bunch of different um, natural remedies, but that, that's one of them. Oh, like all. Oh, yeah, oxidative C- therapy in, <laughs> in particular, but that's another show we can talk oh, about. Uh, also, the CBD helps with that. Oh, absolutely. It's inflammation and pain, yeah, you know. So, yeah. and most people, most health conditions have an underlying um, inflammatory um, issue going on. And I want to say I'm not a doctor. Please yeah, consult yeah, 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 with yeah. your health practitioner no, 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 and no. do your own research because well, you know. there's a lot of misinformation out there too well like my my testimony is uh for me in that short period of time it, it did give me a relief you know and, yeah. and so prior to that i went nah this is baloney but then actually oh, being a guinea pig for it and i found out wow this thing really uh helped me uh, another story is uh a, a good friend of mine he was uh not too, doing too well and i don't know what his ailments were or whatever and uh, I was asked, can you get CBD? That's not expensive. Huh? I'm not sure. Well, it it can be, but yeah. Yeah. I well, mean. anyway. Um, yeah. So I said, okay, yeah. You know, so, you know, I went down the alley somewhere and I said, <laughs> you got any CBD? <laughs> it's illegal <laughs> no, to no, order no. online. Not really. <laughs> and so or buy from us. I, I know that when I look at him today, Man, he's a new guy. Yeah. And he said, you know, he was really thankful. But, you know, so f- from my own personal testimony, 
you know, from where I went, nah, this thing is baloney. Uh, I look at it, well, I've seen the results in some people. I can't say all, you know, because I don't know no. everybody that does it. And everything doesn't work for everyone ever, yeah, whether yeah. it's vitamin C Anything, or, yeah. yeah, diabetes medication, whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, you have to work with your health practitioner and your know your own body. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's heartening to say, and I have to hear, because um, we've had a small sap line and tincture line for a while, and um, you know, the, the feedback is 100% positive. I mean, and it's it's great to, and you know, I we been on Oahu a little bit this last year, um, working on legislation and trying to build industry, and I've been working with a nurse in particular, and um, boy, she she works, and we were talking about it a little bit before the show about with opiate addicted oh, people, yeah, and right, she's doing right, a trial. Right. And it's just a really wonderful, again, talk to your doctor, all this stuff. But it's, it, they're finding it to be a nice transition, getting people off opiates for sure. So, But, uh, you know, like I was mentioning to you, we had a guest on the show. And he was telling me there were 1,500 documented cases of opiate abuse mm-hmm. just in La Pohyoi and Kohala. Yeah. And a lot of it was uh, our, our older population. You know, which all the pains and aches and whatnot that we have. You know? Yeah. Well, that's why I, I was also sharing with you before the show that the first person I ever knew that was opiate addicted was one of my best friend's fathers, who now is 82, and that was just a few years ago. So, um, you know, kind of consistent with what you're saying. You know, I want to say that um, the reason why we got involved in hemp was not for the CBD aspects of it. Um, it was actually to help support family farms and food security in Hawaii. Because there, there is a lucrative aspect to hemp. And most family farms, especially organic farms, are, um, they subsidize with an outside income, the spouse's income, or they're, they're subsidizing the food some other way. And, you know, the vision that, that we had, and we worked hard to get the hemp legislation passed six, seven years ago, whatever it was here, um, was that now, we, you know, kind of a collective of, of farmers, they now and then could grow hemp for a cash crop, which will offset the costs of other, you know, growing food. And it might be a way to provide more financial stability, especially to small farms and small family farms. And, th- and we're talking about just small footprint, you know, yeah, nothing that's... Like in, oh, my gosh. What, what you is could, considered small? Uh, gosh, an, an eighth of an acre, if you're hooing up, you can get enough off to get it, give a nice little bump. An eighth of an, an acre. An eighth of an acre. But, but you, you know, that's you have like to grow... 5,000 square feet. Yeah, and, but you have to grow quality. Obviously, oh, oh, oh. you know, if, if you're growing for CBD, you know, the other growing for other things like hemp and fire, that's that's another it's conversation. Totally yeah. But if but if you but if but, you know, if, if we were we're looking to set up a, a, a farmer cooperative processing um, kind of center. So because that's that's where farmers can really make some money it, like anything. You have to be part of the value chain. Because where you make the money is in the value-added products or in the processing and selling that. So we're trying to set something up that benefits farmers here in Hawaii and not just big business that's looking Ro- to come in nice from, bit, yeah. you know, Colorado or California. Right. And they, Get the million dollar Everyone loves the Hawaii so brand, right? They want to be right, able right, to. Right. Yeah, so we're really looking at trying to do something that benefits. Help the farmer. Help the farmer, but also help our communities in right. terms of creating some jobs and and circulating the dollar here locally. So that we're looking at more of a kind of a cottage industry, like the Kona Coffee model is, where there's a number of people that can participate, um, and you don't even have to participate in it all the time. But it could provide some kind of financial stability. If we provide some financial stability, it makes farming a little bit more lucrative. We need to get more people farming food. I mean, that hasn't if that hasn't become apparent in the last few months. Of course, you know. 
<laughs> um, we we knew we knew that anyway, but now it's really apparent. Uh, so, so what you know, you mentioned. Are there any roadblocks to that happening? I thought that was the uh, past legislation where you can't grow hemp. Yeah, no, they, they passed it. Um, unfortunately, our our state. Well, I, I guess let me put this way. Our state did put some things in that were great for small farmers and kept it from being blown apart by big, large outside corporations. Because if you look at what's happened in some of the states, there's been big entities come in, plant fields. And, and, and Hawaii's just not set up necessarily for that kind of – I guess we could be set up for that. But what we want is to have as much money stay in Hawaii for as, as long as possible. So our program was set up with some acreage restrictions, um, so we couldn't have you know mass operations because supports more of the local Hawaii farmer, and that's a that was all set up under pilot program, which is sunsetting um, next year. So there's a lot in flux right now, and we've had the most administratively challenging program in the country. <laughs> we've had the most stringent testing requirements, the, the most stringent amount of paperwork to go through than any other farming. Uh, sector or anywhere else in the country. So we've had lots of challenges for sure, but we're finding our way through. Where, where is it uh, right now at this moment? Um, we're still operating under what's called a pilot program, but we're switching over to a more permanent program. The entire country is very soon. It was part of the 2018 um, U.S. Uh, farm bill. Uh, you know, completely legalized hemp everywhere, removed all the restrictions. And so um, there's still a lot of challenges to that legislation, and those things will have to be worked out over time. But our goal um, continues to be, and I think not all the hemp farmers in Hawaii Island, but for certainly ours and the number of um, our fellow farmers, are to, to create something that um, is farmer-friendly but supports food security here in Hawaii. Okay. Hey, thank you. We've been talking with uh, Gilburn uh, on hemp and some other things, of course, Midkip family. But <laughs> we're going to take a station b- break, and we'll be right back. Hello. My name is Bradley Kitchener. I'm a student in Kuhala Middle School. I'm here to talk about little fire ants. What are little fire ants, also known as electric ants? Little fire ants are dangerous species of ants that may cause pets to go blind. Their bites are also more painful than other ants. So how can we avoid um, fire ants? Do not bring any outside plants or soil into Kuhala. Also, please report any fire ants. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, all right. Uh, I like that PSA because uh, I'm really close. Yeah, I got about, uh, I don't know, half a dozen fire fire ant bites. Yeah. Because uh, I, I go back and forth to Hilo. We have a place in Hilo. And oh, they're all over. Oh, they're all over Hilo. Yeah. Oh, and shoot. I had to go to the doctor because uh, they, they itch a lot, you know. After the bite, you know, the bite doesn't burn as much as it used to. I think I'm getting used to it. But it's like it itches for at least a week. And I can't help it. I scratch it, then it gets infected, and then I got to go to the doctor. So, you know, I may be about to give you really bad advice and listeners potentially don't listen to this <laughs> you know what i've learned with any kind of insect bite yeah. is get boiling water on it right away with like dab a napkin in it and put it because it it breaks down the proteins in the venom that often cause infections or itching oh yeah or, yeah so it's boiling water right away on a napkin tip to, to as much as you c- can stand for like five minutes dab it on dab it off dab it on oh i don't right. know why that works 100 percent. i'll but try it, does, it yeah it's it's, it's terrible man. The yeah. other thing is anti-fern fern white. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's advertisement for her. She has really great um, 
uh, clay that she uses on her horses, but we use it on any insect bite. It's amazing. It's got all these herbs and things in there. And oh, it yeah? takes the itch out to, and helps heal anything that's not healing. So, that's wow, that's good wide. to know. <laughs> well, that, that's good to know. I'll ask her because those things can be uh, terrible. Oh, I mean, like nasty! Right here. Oh, jeez, dude. Yeah, it's on my arm. You know, I got bit. Oh, I should have brought you some clay. Uh, I'll be up tomorrow. I can bring you some. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you for that information. So, anyway, uh, we, we mentioned, like, uh, one-eighth of an acre, you mentioned. So, you know, we were talking. Uh, I had Tim Richards on. Mm, yeah, good guy. And he's concerned, like everybody else is concerned, that we need to diversify mm-hmm. our economy, mm-hmm. wh- which is, you know, we've been talking about that stuff for years. And I met this guy who's running for Congress. I'm not going to mention his name. But he was saying, oh, he's a great believer in hemp. And uh, I don't know how he came across it, but he said uh, he was in the military, uh, retired. And he's an intelligent analyst and all that. I don't know what that means. But it sounds like CIA or something. Yeah. But he said, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they use hemp to, hemp can be used to uh, be processed into a jet fuel. A high grade yeah. of fuel, yeah. And, I th- and he said, you know, the only thing uh, is, you know, if they built a refinery on the Big Island, that that's a, a possibility of uh, diversifying part of the uh, the economy. So much land with oh, eucalyptus trees on it, you know. It it's amazing. I mean, and we have an advantage here because we have a year-round growing season for sure. I mean, for yeah, there is infrastructure that needs to be built to support these other opportunities in hemp, but they are almost endless. I mean, they, hemp plastics and, and um, hemp pulping can be used to replace all the clamshells and plastic that we use. And the, you know, we, do you know why has the highest per capita use of takeout food clamshells, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even if they're like, I'll buy, some of them are more biodegradable now. So, um, and the footprint for installing some um, processing for that is actually pretty small. I mean, it's just a couple of containers to start spinning some of that stuff out. Okay, so I have one-eighth of an acre. I'm going to grow hemp. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be looking at it as a high-grade quality uh, product. That Yeah, that, that's where you'd gro- be making yeah, money yeah. off of. Yeah. So what can I expect? What would be my, uh, my uh, what can I profit from that? And oh. how long would it take? Sure. Well, <laughs> we need the farmer here. Um, yeah, 90 to 120 days, you know, from the time you plant to harvest. Well, that's fast. Can be, yeah. It depends on the that's time of year. That's faster than tarot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course, it depends on the, the time of year for sure. And well, well, because it takes a lot of water? No. As a matter of fact, um, we were granted uh, our pilot program that's set up for hemp here in Hawaii is actually a research program. And um, so what, a lot of what we've been doing down on our farm is actually research. And one of the things we demonstrated is this is absolutely a dry land crop. It, we farm, because my husband also farms regeneratively. He doesn't till. He uses mulch and compost and all these things. We used, I think it was less than six inches a week of water, which is, which is phenomenally low. It's very, or was it a month? I, can't, I have to go back and look at my calculations. But it was... Phenomenally much lower than most any other um, uh, crop, and certainly much lower than what they're doing on, on larger fields on the mainland. So how you farm makes a difference for sure. But no, it's not that water intensive. In fact, um, one of the, I guess, kind of well-known things out there is you, you really have to be careful and, and hold back on water initially because people want to 
watered a little too much. So 180 days. Was it, no, mm. 90 days, huh? 90 to 120, somewhere 120. around That's there. Fast. It used to pen. So what, yeah. what could I, how much money could I make? Well, let me do a little, <laughs> let me do a calculation in my head. Okay, hold on one second. Yeah. Um, easily, uh, if you, if we were able, if you were able to process that into oil here, which, which we're trying to set for farmers, you could easily make, um, 25000 to $50,000. Get out of here. No, not, yeah, for real. And but it would have to be quality, right? And yeah, absolutely. Not going to be some junk. No, no. And that's what we were trying to encourage is kind of, you know, small footprint, not in anyone's face, you know, now and then, and, um, you know, have... You know, older farmers available to coach younger farmers because you have to. It's a new crop. It's like anything. You you develop expertise around tomatoes. You develop expertise around zucchini. But um, you know, so that that's that's the vision is is about providing more financial stability in our communities, being able to grow more food. Then, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Those, it's yeah. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> Still more work to do. And um, I think you had. Dash Kerr on you, didn't you, one time, talking I about ag agricultural land trust. Yeah, that's been yeah. a passion of mine for a long, long time, removing the you cost. You said you guys are pretty close. Uh, well, I somebody's think going to buy a, a bunch of land. I think some of that got put on hold just because of the financial situation in the state yeah. right now. But but it's it's an excellent model um, in terms of being able. It's how we worked in preserving the, the coast. You know, you remove the cost of the land and then the community can steward it into the future. And so you remove the cost of the land and they provide very long-term leases to farmers, like 99 years. And then you make sure they're allowed to build a house on there, too. So if... So if you remove the cost of land here in Hawaii, you, you give farmers a fighting chance. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm looking at this project. I, I know, I know, like, uh, you know, easier said than done. For sure. Yeah, easier said than done. But the, the potential sounds very doable. And, you know, one-eighth of an acre to supplement the, you know, whatever wage that you're making at the hotel mm -hmm. or whatever. Oh, yeah. Is it labor-intensive? Um, I, I think, a, I think for quality it is, but so let me, I'll just throw out some ballpark numbers that they may not be necessarily accurate here, but, um, so typically on the mainland, they put in about 20 hours per acre and that varies. I think here it's, it's more like 40 hours a week per acre. And if you're my husband only does regenerative farming, no till hands on, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much a, a, a. It, a full-time job right now. You can get systems set up. I mean, he's setting up these underground watering systems. Uh, yeah, he's an yeah. incredible engineer, too. He's not just yeah. a farmer. I mean, the systems he's set up are very self-sustaining. So there's ways of bringing that time commitment down, for sure. Well, th that's an acre, I mean. Yeah, that's an acre. Yeah. But the um, the other thing is, is this is an agriculture crop that has to be grown in ag land. You, you yeah, can't yeah, grow right, it in right. a residential area. It has to be for ag sure. land. Yeah, well, there's a lot absolutely. of ag land. I think so. Yeah, yeah. there's choke yeah. egg land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a so lot of that land is just sitting there because the owners are in the mainland, and you know they're just I don't know the land banking it or whatever. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of egg land. Yeah, anyway, when we talk about diversifying our economy, what I'm kind of looking at is uh, when we're talking with Tim Richards, you know, he says uh, 2021 could be a very tough year economically. I 
I uh, again like to be an optimist, but a, but a grounded realist too. And I, I I think he's probably correct. I mean, you look at the impact of this shutdown is going to reverberate for quite a while, even into food, because in so many places, you know, crops have been disrupted because of lack of labor. Yeah, and I think uh, this this may be possibly an opportunity. It's a great opportunity. It's going to take time, I realize. That. Yeah, no, it will, yeah. and but it can go quickly. I mean, if we yeah. if we are able to get the support of the government, um, especially at the state level, to make it easy for farmers to do this kind of stuff on their land, it it, it could go well. I mean, the the hemp crop in Oregon was worth a billion dollars last year, and um, you know we've we've worked with a leading hemp economist, Bo Whitney, to look at Hawaii and look at our models. He was super supportive of the models that we were trying to implement here in Hawaii. He said, "If you want to make sure the money stays in a community and that hemp benefits a state, you support the farmer." So much of the legislation and the effort is around processing and manufacturers who are sep- separated from the farmer. So we're trying to make it so the farmer can participate in the value chain all the way up. The money stays in the community and continues to circulate. So um, so when we worked with Bo, uh, Mr. Whitney, this a leading hemp economist, um, we, you know, he's done some basic analysis on the potential growth here in Hawaii, and it's nice. And we're not talking about taking over all the ag land. I don't want that. You know, we need ranching. We need lots of food production. But we can integrate this crop for sure I mean, into what we're doing. The land itself, does it have to be like what? Like really fertile and has to be like oh god, that's a like funny Iowa thing. parking lot kind of. <laughs> no, um, you know, hemp is almost a pioneer species. I mean, it's actually used to remediate soil at times too. So, it 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 can do well without a lot of love. But I think if you, it's like anything. Um, if you want um, healthy food, you're gonna tend to the soil and do things that are healthy for the plant. So you can pull a crop off without doing anything. But, you know, what's the quality, what's the nutritional value in there? So. Well, this is uh, really interesting. And, you know, it, for me, it's like, well, when I was talking to this guy and he was talking about hemp, that, uh, you know, kind of makes a lot of sense now. Uh, and, you know, going back, like I said, I had my own uh, doubts about hemp and, and whatnot. And, you know, uh, but the way you presented it, uh, this could be an opportunity for some people. That's our vision. Yeah. You know, as the industry Not unfolds, everybody wants to farm. I mean. Well, not everyone wants to farm, and not everyone necessarily in the hemp industry shares our vision. But um, but that's, we've been super well, active. W- w- what's their vision? Well, I mean, if you look at the mainland models, it's it's just about... A corporation um, or something? It, primarily. I mean, Oregon might be an exception where there's a lot of small farmers, but, you know, it's about scale. But, you know, I sat in a series of uh, web webinars with... Um, folks who do investing in hemp several weeks ago. And, and <laughs> they said even these large operations are going back and helping their farmers really understand quality, you know, which, of course, starts with the soil again and how oh, you yeah, treat yeah. the land. Yeah. And so we know that here. A lot of farmers here in Hawaii have that, that ethic. Um, so we, we could potentially have a leg up that way. But, yeah, there are other, you know, a lot of people just look at the bottom line. I mean, it has to make sense financially. Nothing oh, yeah, You have to look at the bottom line. But I think that hemp is one of those places where there's enough, you know, financial room that we can make it, you know, triple bottom line. Win, win, win for everyone, people, the environment, local economies. So that's, that's why I'm passionate about it and excited about it. I think it can be a great thing for for us if, if it's done well and we keep it at a scale that makes sense would would you like to see something like this in koala 
What, a hemp farm? Yeah. Well, we have a hemp well, farm in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move to the next question. Then. <laughs> it's small, uh, it's we got, small kind. We got kind of like uh, two minutes left. Okay. Yeah, what I'd like to ask you, I, depending on the uh, guests that I have, uh, what would you tell the youth today? Oh, you know, Coach, what comes to mind is what you shared last fall when we were at Koala High School. Yeah. And we we're going to do like the natural resource management pitch, you know, kind of do now and then to yeah. the kids there. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember you called me the night before and you said, you know, I'm thinking about doing something a little bit different. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to talk about things differently. And do you mind? And I said, yeah, I don't mind. And, um, and you got up and you talked really about um, personal responsibility. And in my, my vernacular, it'd be like helping to raise consciousness that really, it really all comes down to us um, getting to know ourselves well and taking personal responsibility for, for what we're doing at, at all levels. You know, if we do that, then our community will be okay. The land will be okay. The resources will be okay. Thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Next time we'll get uh, Clarence in here. Yeah, no we can fun. get more of a technical uh, background on it. Sure. But uh, I want to thank all you listeners out there. Uh, we've been listening to Kuka Kuka with uh, Kalani. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next Thursday. Uh, you know, we're going to have somebody from Kaupalehu on their coastal uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, project where yeah. they, they shut it down for 10 years. They, yeah, they're going to be coming. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be coming. They're going to talk story Who about no, okay. uh, Kule. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Rebecca Mose nice. from TNC. And uh, that should be an interesting conversation. Yeah. But uh, aloha, guys out there, and uh, aloha. 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 Aloha.